This week, we're going to be looking at, of course, Weed Part 5, and, and the D has, has two parts, and uh, when, when I started this thing, I almost had weeds with an S at the end, and I, I'm still going to run in that direction, but I'm not going to call it weeds, I'm going to separate the S, but anyhow. So this week, we're going to look at Weed Part 5, and here's what we've already talked about. The W stands for worship. The first E stands for evangelize. That's our responsibility, right? Jesus said, go and make disciples. So that's our job, right, as the church. The second, or the, yeah, the second E, the third letter is enjoy the journey, all right? Too many of us find ourselves in that place where it's like, yeah, I'm a Christian. We should be pumped. We should be excited about what Jesus is doing in our lives and not be that person that I just tried to describe. And then finally, D stands for destroy the works of the enemy, destroy the weapons of the enemy, whatever you want to call it. He should not get the victory in our lives. We should be putting him under our feet. And that is scriptural. He should be under our feet. Not because of anything we've done, but because of what our master Jesus Christ has done. Now, I've already shared this. Hopefully, you've gotten it. We are at war with the devil. He is our adversary. He hates it when you and I draw closer to God. Uh, I didn't ask him about this, if he's here. Jeff, have you ever found resistance to you trying to come in and spend time with the Father? No, no he says. You're saying that facetiously, right? Yeah. All hell breaks loose against you when you try to enter into a relationship with God. So when you first become born again, you know, for a little while it seems like everything goes well. At least that was my own personal experience. For, I don't know, three to six months, I was walking on air, you know. And then all of a sudden it's like it just turned on me. And everything I went to do was, was resistance, resistance, resistance. And I, I didn't get it at first. And then somebody said, that's because we have a real enemy. And his name is Satan. And he hates our guts. He hates it when we tell others about how God saved us. You know, that's our testimony. That's what all of us should be sharing. You ought to be going out there telling others, what he's done for you. And if you're not, shame on you. If you're not, shame on you. I should get a good amen. amen. All of us need to share that testimony. He hates it because we are blessed beyond measure. And one of the scriptures, I can't remember if I share this again, but Ephesians 1.3, and it talks about this and it says, all praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. We are a blessed people. And those blessings come through the heavenlies. All right, For those reasons, Satan hates us with a crazy kind of jealousy. But the good news is, and I've shared this prior, but according to Isaiah 54, 17, and this is God speaking, but I promise you, no weapon meant to hurt you will succeed. In the King James, it says, no weapon formed against you will prosper, and you will refute every accusing word spoken against you. This promise is the inheritance of Yahweh's servants, and their vindication is from me, says Yahweh. That's good news. No, say that with me, no weapon formed against me will prosper. That's the old King James, but uh, anyway. Here's the thing. God said that, but we must do our part to defeat the enemy of our souls. If you notice what I've got behind this slide, you can see it a little better there. 1 Peter 5, 8, read this with me. Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Now you kind of get the idea behind the slide. 
if you didn't already figure that out. Be sober-minded. Be vigilant. Be alert. Don't fall asleep at the wheel, Christians. The New American Standard adds, and I said this last week, believers must remain vigilant and alert until the very end because the devil seeks to destroy their faith. So what is he trying to destroy? Our faith. Why? Because without faith, it is impossible to please God. Amen? Now this is important. If you want the victory in your life, if you want the victory over the devil, you need to apply this message to your daily living. Too many Christians are ignoring this part. They love the part, I'm blessed beyond measure, brother. But they don't like the part where they've got to do any kind of work. And I'm here to tell you today that Jesus didn't pay the price for us so we could just sit on our keisters and be blessed all the time. We need to become a blessing to others. We need to be the blessing. And, and that takes work. There's a real war going on for our souls. I didn't bring this up last week, but I wanted to share the uh, faith passage, the verse, Hebrews 11.1. 1, and I actually have this in the Living Bible. I like the way that it put it. What is faith? It is the confident assurance that something we want is going to happen. It is the certainty that what we hope for is waiting for us, even though we cannot see it up ahead. In other words, you don't use these. You use your spirit. We live by faith. Period. The people of God live by faith. Has anybody here ever had somebody say, how can you believe in a God that you've never seen? Man, that's, that's one of the big arguments against the faith, the people of faith. How can you believe in a God you've never seen? And the, 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 the fact is, most of us, have never seen God. Most of us have never seen the Father or Jesus or even an angel from heaven. But yet, somehow, some way, we know that what the Scripture tells us is true. And if you saw that movie, uh, God's Not Dead, I think it was the first one. And if you remember the atheist professor, he was talking about how God was dead and one of the the young man in his class, one of the students actually stood up and said, uh, wait a minute. Professor, do you have a brain? You remember this? If you saw it? Do you have a brain? And, and, and the professor, of course, said, well, of course I do. And the young man said, how do you know? Have you seen it? And he says, no, but I, I just know that I have one. Well, that professor knew that he had a brain just from all the things that he was able to do. The same is true with you and me. How do we know there's a God? Because he's made it evident to us. We feel it in our spirit. We recognize that everything around us was created by his hand. And if you will, and I believe that uh, the Apostle Paul addressed this in Romans 1, 19 and 20, and I'll put that up. By the way, I think most of my scriptures, besides the ones I've already shared, are NLT. They know the truth about God because he has made it obvious to them. For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and the sky. Anybody? Though through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power, and his divine nature. What's that last verse, last sentence say? So they have no excuse for not knowing God. Everything around us points to Him. Now I'm not going to take the time to, to run off into evolution and all that other stuff today. But I firmly believe in my heart that's the biggest lie that we have ever, 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 ever experienced. 
Oh, brother, you're old-fashioned. Whatever. Whatever. I think we're going to see one day that everything we read in Genesis, it came to pass, just as it was written. Not only we do, do we believe he is real, but we also believe that he seeks to have a relationship with us. How many can say that's cool? <laughs> that relationship comes by faith and faith alone. And, and I love Revelation 3.20. If I have a, a favorite verse, this is one of them. You know, when I was first born again, somebody showed me this, and it just drew me right to him. With the Lord speaking, he said, Behold, oh, this is the passion. I'm standing at the door knocking. If your heart is open to hear my voice and you open the door within, I will come into you and feast with you and you will feast with me. When you eat with somebody, it's intimate. Do you ever ask somebody to go to dinner with you you don't like? Well, maybe you do once in a while. Usually, no, because, you know, it'd be a bummer if you had to sit there and stare at somebody you didn't even like. No, you, you have dinner with people who are part of your family. And I believe that's what Jesus was saying. The, meta, the metaphor is that, look, I want a relationship with you. I want to be intimate with you, even sitting down and having dinner together. There's going to come a day when we're actually going to do that with him physically. But right now, we can do that in the spirit. And I just love it when I hear people say, oh man, I just shut my door, I turned the music on, and, and I, the Holy Spirit just showed up. That's the kind of relationship God wants with you. So don't wait till you get to heaven to spend time with the Father. Don't wait. Give Him a chance to move in your life. So we begin at the beginning by faith. Step one to getting the victory over the devil is to believe. How many can say amen? amen. Can you say believe? believe? Step one is believe. Step one is believe. You must be born again. You must make Jesus the Lord of your life. Whenever you hear me at the end of the message give a, an altar response, this is what I'm basing it on. It may not sound exactly like it, but Romans 10, 9 through 11. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. This is what I'm basing that on. For it is by believing in your heart that you're made right with God, and it is by confessing with your mouth that you're saved. I've had people say, well, you know, I just don't think it's right that preachers get up there and they tell people they need to pray this prayer and they're just going to be instantly changed. Really? I think that's what's supposed to happen. Now, I don't mean to make this a light thing because we all ought to realize this is for real when we do this. When we pray this prayer, and I often say this, if you mean business with God, because sometimes I think we just say it, our emotions just get the best of us. Well, it sounds like a good day to pray that prayer. No. If you mean it, if you believe it, that God died for you, Jesus died for you, if you believe that, you will be saved. And the last verse says, as the scriptures tell us, anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. You'll never be put to shame. So important. Step one. And then once you've done this, once you've become born again, the Bible says that you are then grafted into the vine. The vine, of course, is Jesus Christ. We're the many branches. And this is found in John 15, verses 1 through 5. You can go back there and read that if you'd like. And here's the thing. This is where the spiritual warfare begins. This is where spiritual warfare begins. First and foremost, it is to avoid temptation. To avoid immorality. Peter said this, he said, 
be holy because I am holy. God actually said it. He was quoting God. Be holy as I am holy. This is a mandate. How many have messed up this week? Don't raise your hand. We serve a loving God, a gracious God, a merciful God, and he forgives us. But our lifestyle should be one of going after him, living for him, doing what's right, living a moral life by the grace of God and through his power. Can't do it on our own. We can't. We need him. The second part of this, we, the church, are meant to fight the immorality, the darkness, with the light that God has put in us. We need to recognize that immorality is anti-God. Hello? One person. We need to realize immorality is anti-God. This is the devil's kingdom. Morality is God's kingdom. Immorality is the devil's kingdom. That's what he's here for, to mess us up, to trip us up, to convince us that it's okay if you bite the fruit. And he's been very successful. So our station in life is to bring God's light back into this anti-God darkness. That's what Jesus came to do. Jesus came to fight. He didn't come to bring peace. He said, I came with a sword. I'm going to divide daughter from mom, son from dad. I'm going to divide the families. And, and what he was saying was, some are going to buy into what I'm saying and others aren't. Some are going to live for Satan their, their whole life. Others are going to live for me. That's what he was talking about. But he came to fight the good fight and to win back our souls. And that's what the church is called to do. You and I, we are the salt. We are the light of the earth, according to Matthew 5, verses 13 to 16. Uh-oh. Can I help you? Is that you, Pastor Barb? Oh no. Oh my goodness. Be careful. Be, can you get up those steps? You, you know, you came in at the perfect time. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. Where am I hot? I'll bet you, I'll bet you are. I was thinking that too, even before you had the bubble wrap on. If anything, I'll stink so bad he won't want to get near me. So well, see, I've got it all wrapped up here. That's probably true too. Yeah, yeah, I got it yeah. wrapped up. He can't get near me now. Oh, you mean the devil? That's right. Oh, me. oh, I thought you meant me. Oh no, well that probably will happen too. But yeah, whew. when you get stinky, I don't like to be around you. Huh? But yeah, I'm ready. I got my bubble wrap. Well, wait a minute. Yeah. We're we're gonna talk here in just a minute about uh, Ephesians chapter six. Yeah. And the armor of God. But yeah. So you're telling me that you put this on to fight the devil? I did. I did. Okay. Well, I guess, yeah. well, let, let me. I just happen to have this here. Um, what are these little? Little air pocket little bubbles. Little air pocket bubbles. So if, if you, like, somebody slams into you, you know, they'll just bounce yeah, off, right? exactly. And if the fiery darts of the devil yeah. fly at you, yeah. what happens? Well. Oh, wait. Uh-oh. Uh, uh, you hear that one? Yeah. yeah. So, well, so maybe I'll just tell him not to use a needle. I'll say, hey, so no think, needles. So you think if you tell Satan not to use yeah. something, then he'll obey you, right? Maybe. Yeah. No? Probably not. Well, what am I supposed to do? You're supposed to use the armor of God, not armor physical God. things. Not, not. I mean, this is awesome. I, I think it'd be fun just to go jump somewhere. Would you jump off the stage and just see how? No, don't do that. It might not work. But it would be fun, though. I was telling them earlier about the little girl in the, did you hear me? 
Yeah, the little girl in the nursery was over there jumping off of the new toys that you bought for the, the nursery. Cool. Yeah, they like them. And awesome. hopefully the teachers do too. But. Well, I'm going to. I'm going to get into Ephesians chapter 6 here, but okay. first, I think, before you overheat, you, you better go undo, because... How many think Pastor Barb did a great job, though, getting dressed up here? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. so thank you for coming out with that, and uh, be careful. Wow. Only she could come up with that one. And that really was her idea, too, by the way. <laughs> That's what I get to live with. I love her. So, as I already alluded, where we're heading next is the book of Ephesians. And again, the Apostle Paul, he spends the first five chapters kind of talking about the standard of living for the Christian. You know, how we're supposed to live. And then he concludes his letter by revealing how the believers should fight their spiritual battles. You ready for this? So Ephesians 6, uh, 10 through 18, and, and we'll go through this quickly. A final word, he said, be strong or be strengthened in the Lord and in his mighty power. Not by the Lord, but in the Lord. We have to recognize that, that Jesus Christ is our power. He's our source. The verb here is present tense, which literally means we're continuously going back to keep strong. If you unplug, what happens? You lost the power. And, and hence, go back to the, uh, what I talked about, the vine, uh, John 15. That's what he was saying. If you're plugged into me, you've got the power. If you unplug from me, you're powerless, all right? So he is our source, he is our strength, and that means weekly, daily, minute by minute, second by second, we need to be going to him. That's that relationship we talked about already. Verse 11, put on some of God's armor. Oh, put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to Stand firm. Now, those underlines, I didn't do it up there. Stand firm in my thing I've got underlined against all the strategies of the devil. Satan analyzes us. He watches us sometimes from a distance just to see how we behave. And he looks for our weakness. And then he brings that weakness in. And often in the church, it's another Christian. That doesn't mean that Christians filled with the devil. They could be, but hopefully not. But he can use other Christians in this war against our soul. How many have ever been sideswiped by a believer? You know what I'm saying? Because you don't expect it. You're thinking, oh, they, just, they, they love Jesus, they love me, and all of a sudden... <laughs> in your back that's why we need the armor of God for we are not fighting against did I put that up there yet for we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies we've got to get this in our spirit this isn't your neighbor it's not your spouse it's not another country that begins with a C or an R. They are not our enemies. This battle over our souls is in the heavenlies. And he goes on, he says, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against the mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. For anybody that says there isn't a devil that he's just some fictional character, go back to this. Paul wasn't playing here. Ephesians 2.6 talks about this just a little bit more. He said, for he raised us, Christ, raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. 
When does this happen? When we're in heaven? Right now. When you become born again, this takes place. So this battle, you see, you should be fighting it in the heavenlies, and you're fighting it here, in the physical. We need to be spending way more time fighting a spiritual battle on these than we are trying to stab them with something. Well, I'll just get my AR out and I'll just blow them turkeys right out of the water. Oh yeah, that's a great plan. That's letting your light shine. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then, after the battle, you will be standing firm. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. Now, I underlined these for you. This belt of truth, and I... I did a lot of studying on this, and I was like, all right. The belt really isn't even a part of the armor. When the soldiers put their armor on, the belt wasn't part of it. But the belt held up their lower parts. <laughs> so, so without it, well, anyway, you get the idea. Things would fall down, and there's, there's no soldier that would even be taken serious if he ran out and his drawers were down around his ankles. <laughs> But the belt of truth is also, many scholars feel, an integrity that Christians should have. Now, integrity isn't something you see on the outside, it's something that you are on the inside. Integrity is when the sign says, take one, you don't take three. When the sign says, you're on the honor system when you take this test, you're not busting things open on the side or pulling your phone out to get the answers. You see, Christians are bound by this belt of truth. Or we should be. The body armor of God's righteousness, and this is another one. Without Jesus, We are not right until we're born again. But once we give our lives to him and say, Lord, rule me, we become cloaked in his righteousness. We are put in right standing because of Jesus. So everything we do from this point on is all because of him. Amen? Now, if you notice, three times he used the word stand. So what do you think the Christian's job is when we face off with the devil? Three times he said stand. What do you think the job is for the Christians? Can you say it a little louder? Thank you. All we have to do, it's not science. All we have to do is stand up against it. And not let it bowl us over like so many of us do. It's not that hard. Jesus already paid the price. You're already born again. Your name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life. When you die, you're going to go to heaven. On this side, the battle is in the heavenlies. And Jesus, God, is fighting the fight for you, but you have to stand against it. And not just get knocked over, like so many Christians do. Well, you shouldn't be speaking about Jesus in public. Really? Who do you think saying that? Thank you, June. The devil. Stand. For what? For him. For the gospel. For the good news. For Jesus. Stand. Hallelujah. 
Ephesians 4, 7, the TPT says, So then surrender to God, stand up to the devil, and resist him, and he will turn and run away from you. How many can say amen? amen. There's another stand in there. <laughs> That's all we need to do. Stand. Resist him, and he will run away from you. So with the armor on, stand against the devil, and he will flee, people. You're with me still. Verse 15, for shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news, so that you will be fully prepared. Now, let me just say here, when I studied this out, I was like, all right. I've always thought that the gospel shoes, it's talking about being the bearers of the good news. And there is truth to that, and it does. But others have, have said that they also think what was meant here was that you and I need to be Bereans of that word. That we need to be students of the Bible, that we need to know what the Bible says so that when we walk around people, we will know what to say because the Bible, the Scriptures, are a part of us. There's also an allusion to the Holy Spirit being with the person because who gave us the Word? The Holy Spirit. The men wrote, as the Holy Spirit enabled them. That's what we have in our Scriptures today. So these things are a part of the shoes of the good news. All right? You're still with me? In addition to all of these, verse 16, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. I talked about this before we even got into this. We live by faith. What's the enemy going to try to destroy? Our faith. If he can ruin your faith, he's got gotcha. you. But if you can keep that shield of faith up strong and high... And in, in the times of Jesus, when this was written, they would wrap their, they had wooden shields, of course, and they would wrap them in leather so that when they shot those fiery darts, and they, they would dip their arrows in pitch, light them on fire, and that's how they would try to burn up the shields. And then sometimes, if they knew they were going to be under attack like this, the soldiers would take those wooden shields that were wrapped in leather and dipped them in water if they had water so that when those arrows came it would quench the darts that's what your faith does without faith with faith it hits the shield not your heart you still Joining me in this? The shield of faith stops the fire arrows of the devil. Next verse, 17. Put on salvation as your helmet. We've already talked about that. First step is, you must be born again. All right? Without that, everything else just falls apart. You've got to have that. And, and what I, by the way, the way that Paul addressed these is how they would actually put these elements on. So the soldiers would actually dress this way. Um, take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. We've already talked about that a little bit. But you have to understand that if you don't know God's Word at all, you're really in a bad place. While we have it, while it's still available to us, I'm not prophesying anything, but my guess is there's going to come a day when you won't be able to find a Bible readily. That it will be illegal to own one. Just my guess as we draw closer and closer to the uh, intermission of the tribulation. So while we have opportunity, when you get up in the morning or before you go to bed at night, Open God's Word. Read it. Become a student of God's Word. Apply some of these promises that are yes and amen in Christ. Apply them to your life. That's what we're supposed to do. 
Pray in the Spirit at all times, on every occasion. Stay alert and persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. And some felt like this last part, it's intended to be a part of the armor, but it's not necessarily. But prayer is so important for all of us. And by the way, just as a a segue to this, Wednesday nights for the next few weeks, we are uh, doing a prayer and praise at 6.30 p.m., and we go to about 7.30-ish. Uh, we are lifting up our nation in prayer. And we're worshiping and just letting God speak through us and to us. So love to see everybody there if you can. But I think we're in a very, very critical t- time in our lives. So I want to move on here quickly. I-, I had something that I wanted to share. And this is from my old pastor, Dr. Dave Williams. And it's called Six Steps to Prayer Warrior Training. And this is a, uh, just, I love this man because he makes things so simple. So if you would, here are six steps to prayer warrior training. Number one, always begin, say this with me, always begin from a position of victory. We already have the victory. Jesus won. We need to understand that. We're seated in heavenly places with Christ, far above all the principalities and powers. And I shared this, but I'll put it up again. Ephesians 2.6. He raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with him. The devil is under Jesus' feet. And even if you and I are just his little toe, the devil is under us. So you need to realize that. Number two, don't wait for a special burden to get involved in spiritual warfare. Too many Christians wait until they are fully being assaulted before they get on their knees. By then, it's almost too late. Stand up and fight now. Now. Poke your neighbor and say, now. Don't wait until you're under full assault. Now, get ready for it. It's coming. You are going to be under attack as a Christian. Can I get a good amen? Amen. Don't be sideswiped by this. I'm telling you today, you are going to be attacked. Persecuted. Tested. And you've got to be ready for it. And the only way that you can be ready for is to get that armor on and start praying. Hallelujah. (laughs) So don't wait for a special burden to get involved. The Bible doesn't say if you pray. It says when you pray. And I actually put that up. And I found it interesting because we share this first one all the time. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good, not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. We all know that one by heart. In those days when you pray, I will listen. That's what follows that. When you pray, I will listen. Hallelujah. That's good news. Number three, remember our weapons are not of this world. Nothing carnal is going to defeat them. You might win somebody over with a plate of cookies. I guess that would be kind of carnal. But you're probably not going to win them over if you go out armed to the teeth. Our weapons are not of this world. They are nuclear warheads compared to the devil's fly swatter. That was a quote. I love that. They are nuclear warheads Our weapons are nuclear warheads compared to the devil's fly swatter. (laughs) His armaments are limited to carnal weapons. We have supernatural ones. For though we walk in the flesh, we don't war after the flesh. And again, the quote is 2 Corinthians 10, 3-5. I read this last week. It bears witness again. We are human, but we don't wage war as humans do. We use God's mighty weapon, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. 
We capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. So that's what we use to fight the enemy. Number four, speak to the problem. The spiritual root of problems must listen and obey. If, if you go back to uh, Mark 11, I, I think, yeah. If you go back to Mark 11 where Jesus walked past the fig tree, remember that? And, and he got upset with it or whatever. Maybe he was just trying to make a point, whatever it was, and, and he cursed the root. So that's scriptural. To go after the root of whatever it is you're fighting against. And a few days later, what happened? They walked past it, and his disciples were the ones who said, Hey, Jesus, look! <laughs> that tree that you cursed, the root. Look at it now. It's dried up. It withered. And Jesus is like, duh. <laughs> I cursed the root. Roots will obey you when you speak in Jesus' name. Number five, don't think it takes great amounts of time. And this is something that all of us, I think, fall into. You know, if you've got five minutes in the morning, five in the afternoon, and five at night, you just prayed 15 minutes, which is more than most people pray all day long. Warfare praying only takes a portion of your regular prayer life. Now, years ago when uh, I worked for Dr. Dave, whenever he would go into another country and, and usually they would do revivals, they would invite him to come in and speak. And usually when he did this, he would send five or ten of his prayer warriors ahead of him. And they would actually stay in those towns for like a week before he got there, at least minimally a few days. And those ladies and men, they would uh, just bathe that city in prayer. And when he got there, and when he stepped into that pulpit, what do you think happened? The Holy Ghost came down. Because they had already gone against every carnal weapon that the devil had and they bound up the strong man. And when Dave got there and was able to preach the good news, it just fell on them. And they're like, what must I do to be saved? And people got saved. Short prayers can be powerful. Uh, Acts 4 is a good example of this. They prayed a short prayer, and when they finished, the building shook. How many would like to see that happen? Make sure you're in a solid building, though. If you get a few commuted, committed believers to agree in prayer with you, you will be able to shake your city for Jesus. I'd love to see that day. Can it happen here? Yeah, I think it can. If we stop using our carnal weapons and start using the spiritual weapons that we've already been given. And number six, the final one, Use the sword of the Spirit, the spoken word of God. Again, when Satan confronted Jesus, and you'll find this in uh, John, uh, I'm sorry, Luke 4 and Matthew 4, when he faced off with the devil, what did he reply with? Jesus, what did he reply? The word of God. Yeah, I, for one does not live on bread alone, but on every word that's spoken from the Father. That's you and I. That's what we should be doing when we're fighting the devil. We need to fight him with God's weapons, not our own. You want to be victorious. This is what you need to do. As I begin to wrap up this message, to be victorious over the devil, the believer must, say that, must put on the armor of God. When our kids were growing up in our house, my wife would do that with my, my boys physically. I don't know if you did it every morning, but whenever you guys prayed together, you would put that armor on because we knew just how important it was. In fact, later when my son Joe, who was the artist, when he got this vision of his mother, he, he had a and she still has it, but there's a picture 
of a little girl sitting in the middle of the floor with her legs crossed. And she, had, she was surrounded by the, the armor, the face shield, the sword. And that's how our son Joe remembered his mom because whenever he got up in the morning, she's an early bird and she'd be up praying in the middle of the room like that. I didn't ask her if I could share that, but hopefully you'll love me enough to let me. <laughs> Too late now. Not only do you need this, but the church needs this. We need you to be praying. We need you to be gearing up, folks. Getting that armor on and praying for the rest of us. I, I was going to get a picture of it, and I thought, oh, I'll just explain it, but if you've seen that movie 300, and it's, it's a gruesome movie if you watch the whole version of it. But when the Spartans gathered together and, and they would take those shields of faith, not they didn't use shields of faith, they were heathens, but when they grabbed their shields, and this, I saw this as a picture of the church, they could interlock them, and the enemy, and there were like 10,000 archers that aimed at them, and, whoosh, and they, they all shot their arrows at the same time. And imagine, and they did a great job with the, the visual of this, those 10,000 arrows coming down on that little cluster of 300 men. But they locked those things in, and those arrows couldn't get through because they locked them in together. They basically made a big dome, a big bubble of safety. And in my opinion, as your pastor, you might not be able to... This is what we ought to be doing for one another. Now, you might not be able to make it here to the church. You know what? If you can't, I get it. All right? But you could still be praying with us. Be praying on uh, Wednesdays with us, 6.30 to 7.30. Ask the Lord to gird us up, to empower us. Pray for revival. Pray for our president. Pray for all of the things that the Holy Spirit puts on your heart to pray for. And as we join together, something happens. Amazing things happen. Miracles happen. I've seen it. I've witnessed this. Well, pastor, what you're saying sounds like work. Duh. You know, this is one of those things that nobody can say, well, my back hurts, so I can't pray. <laughs> Really? Well, my favorite TV show's on. Yeah, that's more like it. And that's, that's a devil. That's the devil there, all right? Because he watches you. I already said that. He's got tactics. He looks for where your weakness is, and he'll put you in that place so that he can get you away from praying. Because he knows prayer makes a difference. The righteous prayers make a difference. Together we are invincible. If you ever wondered why the devil tries to divide the church, this is why. Because if he can get us divided, he wins. Finally, last thought before I pray. When does the warfare end? When do you think? When we get to heaven. Thank you. That's exactly right. It will not end until we're with Jesus. So in the meantime, what does that mean? All of us need to put the armor on. You must be born again, step one. And then put the armor on. Just to run through this again. Stand. Put on the armor. Fight the good fight. The devil will flee. And you and I will be victorious. So would you stand with me? Heavenly Father, we are blessed to live in this great nation. And we are equally blessed to live in a community that more than not loves Jesus. You are our Lord. And it's awesome to be in this place. 
but we never want to take this for granted. We know that that could turn tomorrow. Lord, the freedoms that we have today as a result of our Constitution and our forefathers, that could be gone tomorrow. So we must prepare. We must be born again. We must put on the armor of God and fight this good fight. Learn the word. Pray for our brothers and sisters. Pray for our nation. Pray for this world. Pray for our missionaries. Lord, there are so many prayers that we could be lifting up. Because the Bible says the prayers of a righteous man are powerful and effective. And that means that when we pray, the heavenlies are changed for the good. And when we take a stand for you, the Bible says the devil will flee. Lord, I thank you for everybody that's in this room today, those who have watched this message on live stream. And I ask you right now, Lord, just to continue to use your church, capital C, to make a difference. Equipped with all these things we talked about, Lord, help us to take the light into the darkness. Help us to be the seasoning, the moral versus the immoral. God, use us as only you can. We place this church, the people of the hope, those listening online, into your hands. Keep us strong, Lord, until the day you return for us. And I pray for everyone that's listening today that when it's all said and done, that we will all hear this. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You were faithful in the little things. Now I am going to give you much more. That's what we want to hear. Let it be so. Thank you, Jesus. If there's anybody here today that would say, I, I don't know Jesus as my Lord and Savior, I'll be available afterwards. I'll be right down here. If you're watching on live stream and you would say, I need the Lord, email me at normatgillardchurch.com and I'll walk you through this step. With that said, today we're going to go ahead and conclude this service. But we're not done here, folks. This is just where it starts. We've got the victory. Let's go out there and show the world that we've got the victory. We're not a bunch of mamby-pamby Christians, but we're equipped with all that we need, all the weapons of God. Hallelujah. Father, again, just bless each one today. Give us opportunity, Lord, to share our story, what you've done for us. And Lord, help us to be more intentional on praying for the church, for the nation, for the world. We love you and we commit this people into your hands. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. God bless you. Have a great week in Jesus. Hope to see you Wednesday at 6.30 or at 5.30 if you want to join us for prayer. Because we actually have prayer at 5.30 and then the prayer and praise at 6.30. God bless you.